0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I want to start in John chapter 15 this morning again. We uh, started a series last Sunday morning on steps to answer prayer. I want to, while you're turning there, I want to also remind you of a couple other scriptures. Ephesians 6:18 says, praying always with all prayer. Other translations say all kinds are all manner of prayer praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance for all saints so the bible indicates to us that there are different kinds of prayer if we um, study it out and separate them there are seven different kinds of prayer also in james chapter 5 and verse 16 it says confess your faults one to another And pray ye one for another that you may be healed. The last part of the verse is really what I want to get to. The effectual fervent prayer of a heart, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word fervent means heartfelt, but the word effectual means effective. So he's saying the effective, from the heart kind of prayer does a lot of good. Well, if you can pray effectively, then that must mean you can pray ineffectively wouldn't that have to be true well i think that's uh uh, one thing that a lot of the church world stumbles on because we haven't had the teaching on the different kinds of prayer that perhaps we should have since there are different kinds of prayer the bible indicates to us as well that there are different rules that govern those different types of prayer for example this is uh, the the one example that we always use uh, or that i always use and uh and i think it's a good example because so much of the church world is ignorant on this fact. And that is when Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, "Lord, let this cup pass from me; nevertheless not as I will, but as thy will." Thy will be done. Well, as a result, a lot of Christians, a lot of the body of Christ worldwide, not just in America but all over the world, a lot of Christians think that Jesus prayed that way all the time and that all of us should pray that way all the time. Meaning to pray, "If it be thy will." But that was only one kind of prayer that Jesus prayed. It's a prayer of consecration and dedication of his life to God. Now, I would certainly agree that it's good for us to consecrate ourselves and dedicate ourselves to God as many times as we need to to remind us and remind God that he's in charge. But Jesus didn't pray every prayer that way. Neither should we. The kind of prayer that we're talking about and covering in this series uh, on these Sunday mornings, is the prayer that changes things it's known as the prayer of faith well the bible says faith begins or the bible teaches us that faith begins where the will of god is known so you cannot pray the prayer of faith saying if it be your will you just can't do it you can't have faith for something you don't know god wants you to have it's impossible so when jesus said in john chapter 15 verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you of my Father which is in heaven. He's talking about the prayer of faith. He's talking about a prayer to receive things. He's talking about a prayer that changes things. Verse 8 goes on to say, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus is saying God is glorified when we pray the prayer that he identifies in verse 7. God wants you to have answers to your prayer. But notice how many times in John 15, 7, the word you is in there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. See, the fact of the matter is in this kind of prayer, this prayer of faith, whether you get answers to your prayers depends more on you than it does on God. And the reason for that is because faith comes by hearing the word. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of god it's the only way you can have faith well if you're praying god's word which you would have to if you're praying in faith if you're praying god's word you're already praying his will you don't have to ask if it's your will you don't have to put that faith destroying phrase in there lord if it be your will because that will destroy any seed of faith that's planted if we're to say and and again i think a lot of the church world just lives this way a lot of the believers around the world seem to have the idea that if God wants you to have something, it's just going to happen. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God doesn't answer prayer based on need. He answers prayer based on faith. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, God knows what you have need of before you ask it. Well, if God knows you have need of something, why didn't he just do it? If that's the way it works. Obviously, it's not the way it works. God knows what you have need of, but he still expects you to ask it. Now, why does he expect you to ask? Because he wants to answer. But you're the one with authority here on the earth. God created man and put him in the Garden of Eden and gave him authority. God never has taken that back. He didn't give it to, to mankind until he fell and then took it back to himself. Man's always had authority on this earth and always will have authority on this earth until the end of the age so Jesus is saying if you abide in me it's talking about relationship the prayer of faith is based on relationship Lester Sumrall said something when I was working with Brother Hagen that uh, really surprised me and, and uh, well it surprised me the way that it came about there was a group of ministers well known ministers if I just said the names of them you'd know everyone a group of people were in the back of uh, the auditorium in the speaker's room before a, a service one time, Brother Summerall was going to be ministering. And, uh, and this group of uh, ministers started talking about different things and what their faith has brought in and uh, what they believe God for and other good things that God had done in their ministry. And somebody spoke up and started talking about a difficulty that they were having. And so when they were talking about this stuff and other people were pitching in and saying this, that, and the other Lester just said to the, out loud to the room, the boy was talking to him. He just spoke out in the middle of the room and said, if I'm having trouble with my faith. I don't examine my faith. I examine my relationship with God. And everyone silently departed the room. <laughs> I like that. And it's certainly scriptural. Jesus said, if you abide in me, he's talking about close fellowship. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Now notice that's just as important a criteria as abiding in him. See, a lot of the church wants to talk about abiding in him. Oh, yes, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I've been saved all my life, whatever the case might be. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about the word that way. You don't hear a lot of the church world talking about the word concerning the promises God made and the taking hold of those promises by faith. But Jesus said they were on equal footing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will. Now, why is that a criteria or why is that necessary to asking for what you want? We all know what we want. We want whatever satisfies our feelings at the moment. Why is the word abiding in us such a big issue? Because the word of God is the will of God. You can't know what God wills for you apart from the word. Think about what that means. That means you can't fellowship with God outside of his word. But a lot of people want to go outside the word when it comes to their prayers or their desires or whatever. But Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. That means that presupposes that you know what God's will is on the subject. Now turn with me over to, to uh, Mark chapter 11. We started last week with steps to answered prayer. Brother Hagin, and these are directly from Brother Hagen's notes. I'm not going to try to claim some kind of insight into this that I don't have. Brother Hagin divided these things into seven steps. I group them into four steps. But these steps, if followed faithfully, will bring an answer every time they'll bring an answer every time. Now the reason we can say that with confidence and know that we're telling the truth is because of what we just saw in John 15, 7. Your prayers being answered, this type of prayer, this prayer of faith being answered has more to do with you and depends more on you than it does God. So if you will follow these steps faithfully, be diligent to follow these steps, you can get an answer every time and the answer is always going to be yes. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, You are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now I want you to notice in Mark chapter 11, Earlier part of the chapter talks about Jesus seeing a fig tree. It was a time of year for it to have figs, but it didn't. It had leaves. This was a type of tree that when it produced the leaves, it produced the figs too. So the leaves were a sign that there should be figs on the tree. But Jesus gets there and all it has is leaves and no fruit. So Jesus speaks to the tree. He says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples him next morning they passed by that way again and they saw the fig tree and it had changed drastically it had dried up from the roots it wasn't just starting to lose leaves it had dried up from the roots something had impacted that tree in such a way that it no longer looked fruitful before it had disguised itself to look fruitful with the leaves but now everything's gone It was dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance said, Jesus, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God. Other translations say have the faith of God. And from that we coined the term the God kind of faith. Because what would the faith of God be if not the God kind of faith? And the Bible tells us that that God kind of faith is the faith that created the world's. God believed that what he said would come to pass and you know folks that's why the word is so specific and the word is so critical because anything God says comes to pass if God spoke evil of you it would come to pass because he's God that's why he does it, and that's why the Bible is so specific in telling us that God never changes what he does for one he'll do for all what he has done for one he has done for all and his word is always sure because it's his word now keep that in mind god's word is sure god's word is true because it's his word so no matter what it looks like in your life if your circumstances don't line up with god's word all you have to do is shift your attention and your faith over to his word and things will change And that's what Jesus does here. Now, Jesus didn't have to get out the scrolls and look up Scripture to find out, can I curse a fig tree? He knew that he had dominion over the fig tree. He knew also that God never made any tree or any other thing to be unfruitful in this world. And that includes you and me. God wants you to be fruitful. Jesus tells us that. God expects you to be fruitful. God expects you to have everything that the Bible says that Jesus has done for us. God expects us to have dominion in every respect through His Word in our lives. So you don't have to pray and see if God wants you to exercise dominion over unfruitful circumstances in your life. You don't have to pray, and Jesus never did pray to see if God wanted somebody to be healed. He never did pray to see if God wanted somebody blessed. He never took, for all the the times where the church world has through the years said that sometimes God wants to teach you something through sickness, and that's why he won't heal. That never was the case in Jesus' ministry, and he ministered to thousands of people. He never once had to stop and say, well, I'm going to have to pray about this because maybe God gave you this sickness to learn something. He never hesitated. People that came to him for healing, he ministered to them instantly. He was always moved with compassion toward their circumstances and he honored their faith by ministering healing and ministering the power of god to them well if jesus was that sure about god because he abided in him or abode in him i don't know how you'd say that i don't use the word abide much but if jesus was abiding in him which of course he was and the word of god was abiding in him too abiding in jesus which it was then he always knew what god wanted to do He didn't even pray in the Garden of Gethsemane about what the word of God was or the will of God was. He's just saying, Father, if there's some other way to bring mankind back into our family without the cross, let's do that. But if this is it, if this is the only way it can be accomplished, I surrender myself to your will. Your will be done. And that's what the prayer of consecration and dedication is all about. It's about presenting yourself as willing to do whatever God has for you, even though it might not be pleasant. Now, Jesus lived that way. We know that as soon as he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove, the Bible says the Holy Ghost led him into the wilderness. Wilderness places are not exactly comfortable. He led him into the wilderness and Jesus Fasted for 40 days, the King James seems to imply that God led him into the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil, but that was not the purpose for the wilderness. It was the result, the end result. We see that Satan came to him after he had fasted for 40 days and started bringing temptations to him. And he answered every one of them the same way by quoting the word. Well, if that worked for Jesus, wouldn't that work for us? Amen. And if that was the pattern or the example, that the Bible tells us about Jesus when he encountered the devil shouldn't it be the same thing that we follow bless God it is but Jesus went into the wilderness to spend time alone with God not to be tempted of the devil I think it's important for us to realize every time you try to draw closer to God the devil's going to show up but that's not anything to be concerned about you've got the same word to deal with him that Jesus did so Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He didn't shy away from that. He didn't shy away from that forty days of fasting. He submitted himself to the will of God. So the Garden of Gethsemane is not the only time he's submitted himself to God's will, is it? But that's not the way. The way that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane is not the way that he ministered healing to the sick. So Jesus says. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith, the faith of God. And then he describes what that is. He says, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Here's the qualifier. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Well, if he's talking about doubting in his heart, then he must be talking about believing with the heart but shall believe from his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith verse 24 jesus explains goes a little bit further he could have stopped right at the end of verse 23 and explains completely and sufficiently to peter and the apostles about why the fig tree died because jesus didn't pray about the fig tree jesus didn't say oh god look at this fig tree Look at what a problem it's causing me. Jesus just cursed the tree. He acted on what he describes in verse 23 of Mark chapter 11. He spoke to the tree. Jesus said it will work on trees. It'll work, like, work on problems that look as big as a mountain. I really don't believe Jesus is, is telling us that we can rearrange the topography of the earth. Why would we need to? I'm sure God was smart enough to put the mountains where they needed to be. But he's talking about issues and circumstances and problems that we encounter in life. And he said, here's how you fix them. Here's how you change things. You speak to the mountain. But then he goes further in verse 24 to explain how this thing called faith, this faith of God or the God kind of faith, works in prayer. Now, if Jesus is telling us the rules that govern the prayer of faith, which is exactly what he's doing, Then he must be familiar with them himself. Otherwise, how could he share them with us? And if he's familiar